trying to change the way people think about the problem and to make sure that they see it the way we do. And so we're providing information to educate them. And we're trying to show that we have this knowledge that, you know, we know what what we're doing here and we can help you with it. But we're not necessarily pushing what we do yet, right? Like we're that's that's a later stage. Right now we're just trying to give them that situational awareness of around how we view the problem and we need it to be so compelling that they say, I like how these guys think. Looking to take your sales funnel from a friction-filled path to an optimized slide that converts like crazy? You've come to the right episode. Today, we're talking all things sales funnels. We'll cover our tips and tricks for every stage of your funnel and talk about the metrics you can use to optimize your funnel and start turning more leads into happy, paying customers. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I'm your host, Mallory Kuhn, and I'm joined today by Chris Dubois, Senior Growth Consultant at Lean Labs. Hi there, Chris. How are you? I am great, Mallory. How are you? I'm doing great as well. So today, for our listeners, we are going to be talking uh, all about the sales funnel. We're going to be talking about how to optimize your sales funnel and turn those leads into loyal paying customers. So let's start with some kind of baseline information about you and your experience. Um, so what is your high-level experience history with full funnel marketing? And in your opinion, why is this approach important and effective in the modern market? Yeah, so a lot of what we're doing is actually full funnel here at Lean Labs, where it's so taking our marketing funnel and as well as the sales funnel, where we work a lot closer with you know this sales team of our clients and stuff. But we're doing this full funnel from start to finish, and so for five plus years now, um, just doing this work in our process specifically, um, doing this with clients. And so we're we're mapping out the buyer's journey, the customer journey, you know, making sure everything aligns. We're looking at the right metrics to be able to, to see where we can shore up some gaps, where maybe we have some opportunities so we can just continue crushing it. Um, yeah, I think that's the high level. Yeah, the high level. One, uh, you know, I like to consider both sides of things. So what what are some of the consequences or challenges that a business owner or, you know, CMO might experience if they aren't taking this type of approach? Uh, say if they're, you know, focusing very heavily on the top of the funnel only as kind of quote unquote classic marketing efforts uh, kind of focus there. Uh, so the biggest one, you're going to miss opportunities, right? If you're only focused on one stage of your funnel, like, yeah, you might build awareness, you might get some people paying attention to to what you're doing, but you're not providing anything that would set them set them up for the next steps of the buyer's journey. And so like something that we always start with is like just on your website, right? The site map, how, what is the buyer's journey that we want to actually push people through? Because once you have that, now everything else that you're doing, every other piece of content, everything is directly attached to one of those stages, right? So like if we want to move someone from cold, warm to hot, right? Someone coming in cold, they're not maybe not problem aware, um, you know, they're just looking for more information, really starting to 
to get an understanding of what's happening and what some potential solutions could be. Uh, then they move into warm, where now we have to shift the way that they're thinking. So they see the problem the same way that, that we see it, right? We want them talking about it the way we talk about it. And then when they're hot, it's like, hey, I'm ready to buy. People can come into your pipeline at any stage of this. You might have someone who, like, they know they're already problem aware. They're already thinking the way you do, right? They have that that tailwind that's pushing them right into you. And so they show up on the site and they're ready to, to talk to sales immediately. Very, very small percentage. It's like 3% of customers coming in are actually willing to do that. And so, but all of our content now, every blog post, right, every social media post, it's going to point back to one of those key pages on the site. It's going to say like, hey, this is a very problem specific. We're trying to really flesh out the problem, make sure they understand it. So we're going to push them here. Maybe like a comparison post of different, you know, some of our competitors with us, like it's going to push people towards a hot page, right? Because they're they're looking to buy, they're ready. Like the money's in their pocket and they're starting to burn a hole there. So they want to compare everything so that they can take that next step. And so, yeah, miss if you only focus on one of those stages, right? You're missing opportunities. And you'll usually see it where people are either focusing too much top of funnel and just trying to build awareness. And there's nothing that's actually going to drive them to take like hard action to talk to sales. Or they'll only focus on like bottom of the funnel. Like let's let's work with hot traffic. We're not doing anything else. Like everything's very salesy, very right. And that's where it comes off as overly salesy because no one's actually walked walk through and like you built the trust with the other types of content to give them something to take action with. Um, so I would, yeah, I would say that's a big one. And like some of the subsequent kind of symptoms of that is like, you can't measure ROI the same way. Like if you're only focusing on one channel, because it, you're not getting the whole picture. Like you don't know why people are falling off because you're only doing one type of content, you know, focusing on one area of this pipeline. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I would say that, I mean, it, there's so many other like little things, right? Like it can lead to just inconsistent messaging because you're fo focusing too much in one place and not actually paying attention to the entire, like the congruency of your entire funnel, um, which, I mean, just like the handoffs between those different uh, stages and between marketing and sales and things like that all tend to kind of fall flat if you're applying too much focus in just one area instead of everywhere. Perfect. Well, Speaking of applying focus everywhere, I think uh, what I want to do for this episode is kind of talk through all the various uh, stages uh, and sections of the funnel, uh, kind of split them up into sections and dig deep into each one, giving people the full picture. So let's start uh, at the beginning, a very good place to start. Uh, we'll start at the top of the funnel. Um, what strategies and tools do you recommend for generating high quality leads and capturing their attention when we're looking for folks in the awareness stage? Yeah, so common common play is content, right? If you're you want to be able to put out as much content as you can, uh, you, a lot of people will see this whole like become a media company, and so like that's the big push, and, and it's awesome. Most companies aren't actually doing it, uh, but it's a, it's a great ideal to work towards. And what you want to do with the content is really focus on the problem that you solve, right? There are tons of problems out there. There are tons of ways you can, you can solve that problem. But if people come to your content and you make it so clear that you understand everything about this problem, like the ins, outs, 
potential solutions, everything, the pain points that they're suffering from, right? Those, all those frustrations, the things that they desire. If you can make that incredibly clear it, while building like awareness in this top of funnel portion, you are more likely to move them to the next stages of this. Um, SEO, right? For, if we're just talking like digital stuff, you want to optimize for SEO as much as you can because that's what's going to really put you in front of more people on the search engines. Same thing. Do all the things on your social media platforms. If you're doing a lot of social posting, nobody's going to be seeing it unless you're also engaging with people and getting people to start checking out your page and doing that type of stuff. And so you need to make sure you're doing the actions to increase the number of impressions, increase the awareness. Uh, I think we're, we talked on a different podcast episode, right? There's a lot of talk about like vanity metrics and things like that. But like, really, if you had three to 500 people who saw a post, right? And you took those people and just put them in a room and they still refuse to engage with you when you're like talking to them face to face, it's like, okay, there's probably something off here. And so if you just change that view, it does give you a better perspective on what you're actually doing with your marketing. And when you're top of funnel, you really want to boost up those, that number of impressions. Um, and so you can see like the actual awareness, the uh, sessions, right? How many users are coming to your website? All of those types of uh, things. A lot of people will also use paid strategies because it's very easy to build awareness that way, right? You can, you're literally paying to put your content in front of other people issue with this strategy, which everyone is probably aware of. Once you turn off that money, all that traffic goes away. And so, so it's literally a trade-off that you're making. So I would recommend you do the SEO play and use anything with like paid ads to kind of just provide that extra oomph to get people to where you want them getting to. You should be very deliberate in getting them to where you want them to pick that page, make sure that, that, you know, the paid ad is congruent with whatever page uh, copy that you're pushing them towards, but it, it's like sending them to a random blog post, not a good idea. Sending them to a blog post has a very high conversion rate because you've tested this out through organic and other people and right, and it has the right next step and it's just people love it. Yeah, maybe that is a great, great option. And so you just need to make sure you're actually pushing them to the, those right areas. So I think top of funnel, that's probably the, what I would do. Yeah, when we talked, I mean, I, I just want to dig a little bit deeper because you, you mentioned a few metrics, uh, impressions, sessions, things like that. Are there any other key metrics that you should really be looking at in this stage? And uh, you, any tips you have for kind of optimizing your your results there? Yeah, so again, impressions, your traffic, right? Um, the source of that traffic can be super helpful uh, because if you find a no one's coming to us from organic, but everyone's coming from direct. Okay. They typed in our our website because they know the name. So they heard of us from somewhere and then typed it in. So it at least gives us an understanding of where they might be, you know, how we might be actually interacting with the audience. Um, the Some visitor demographics would be great if you could find a way to capture those metrics so that you can get better at targeting people, uh, especially for like later stages, right? Um what type of content are people consuming the most? A lot of your content will be offsite, podcasts, videos, social media. And if you can find ways to actually capture that information to know how much time they're spending, uh, you can start to figure out what you need to do more of in order to assist. Um, the, there's an, a concept called a time on brand where you can 
generally after you get some some customers and you're able to figure out exactly what they've seen right this has to be like this is you need to be able to attribute everything like this is this isn't a perfect model so at some point you got to have some some wiggle room but if i know most people are watching at least an hour of youtube videos uh you know watching or reading through 10 linkedin posts and then maybe five blog posts right i can figure out the average time for each of those add it together and say okay generally speaking right after seven hours of content consumption someone will become a customer so now you start thinking through content that way what type of content do i need to put out in order to make that hit that number right so shorts can be awesome and get a ton of visibility most shorts don't get someone to right if you see one right away you're not taking action right you would need to see a lot of shorts from that person because the time on brand has to be much higher and so um yeah we look at numbers like that and then lead capture initial lead capture like looking for those like super simple offers you have subscribing to your blog uh, maybe downloading a white paper or something where it's like they're just starting to learn more specifically around the problem with those offers um I think those are, those are the big metrics that you should be looking at in the top of funnel stage. Let's move on to the next stage here then. Let's talk about the middle of the funnel. So what are some of the key components of a great lead nurturing strategy? And, you know, what kind of tools and strategies are you a fan of when you're thinking about lead nurturing? So lead nurturing, uh, anything middle of the funnel, still doing a ton of content right number one like ideally every stage i'll probably say it again in the in the last stage anyway but you still want to be doing a lot more content it's going to shift now though because now we're trying to change the way people think about the problem and to make sure that they see it the way we do it so we're providing information to educate them and we're trying to show that we have this knowledge that you know we know what what we're doing here and we can help you with it but we're not necessarily pushing what we do yet, right? Like we're that's that's a later stage. Right now we're just trying to give them that situational awareness of around how we view the problem and we need it to be so compelling that they say, I like how these guys think. Uh so doing that, now we are starting to acquire a lot more leads because it's all of our offers minus anything where we're, you know, saying, Hey, I'm raising my hand, I want to talk to sales. So anything you have in your site as a lead gen source is now kind of this realm that we're playing in. And so being able to track those leads is, is a critical like piece to this. So having a platform that lets you actually see what are people engaging with, right? We use HubSpot for everything. I can see if someone converted on this offer, it was also on this page that they did it. What pages did they see before that? Uh, it lets you actually monitor kind of the path, right? The buyer's journey that they, they're taking in order to get there. And if you see something consistently popping up, then you can you can now leverage that and knowing that hey this one's more more feasible you can set up that report in, in like Google Analytics as well now can't remember what it's called but it's essentially like a buyer journey report where it'll show you the first page everybody goes on and then what's the next page that they're taking and it'll branch off right to the different pages and it'll branch off to the different pages and you can kind of map out like well a majority of our traffic is following this path let's spend a little more time you know paying attention to that optimizing this path because it's actually where we want people going and we see proof that they're actually doing it. Um, events, webinars, right? Those are big ones. Online events, even webinars to an extent. Because of COVID, 
so many people were were doing these, right? Like every company was running webinars and events. And so if you're going to do these, you need to get so specific on what you are offering in that session so that people actually want to want to do it. Live events are starting to pick back up because people put more effort into a live event, generally speaking, right? If I'm going to make people fly out, stay in hotels, come, you know, and then come see us for this session, we want to make sure it's good because people are going to be way more quick to say that was a waste of money. I'm never touching that again. Versus a webinar where 30% show up rates are like average. And I don't even know if that's the right number, but it's, it's something low. Excuse me. And it, like people just don't care, right? And also they're like, oh, I can just get the recording. Nobody ever watches the recording. So not a, yeah, I would be hesitant on that, but it is something companies do. Some companies have seen results. So it's like, don't rule it out. Just pay attention to what would actually fit for your brand. Um, Chatbots can also be fun. If you can like, especially now, like I'm sure we'll get into AI at some point in this episode because you seem to always ask the AI question towards the end. <laughs> uh, the, like you can set up chatbots and actually have someone talking to them, giving them very personalized information, even directing them to different content on your site, things like that, answering these questions in a way that actually helps them know what they need so that they can, they can find it and you collect some of that lead information through that process too, so... And, you know, I got to ask the metrics question. What are some of the metrics that we should be looking at trying to optimize in the, the middle of the funnel? Yeah, so middle of the funnel, I like looking at your, so conversion rates for your pages, right? Like you want to know what offers are actually converting because that's super good to know. Um, it lets you know what, what offers are the most enticing for people. It can let you know uh, what type of messaging, you know, that people engage with the best. You want all of that information offer performance in general, right? Any metrics you can track around that or could be super valuable. How many people are actually signing up? How many people are seeing it? Uh, are people signing up for an offer and then not taking any action with it? If you can track that somehow, that's good to know as well because you have an appealing offer, but it's not appealing enough that someone's actually going to use the offer. Um, so it doesn't matter because in that offer, you should be having a next step at the end, right? You're, you're providing a very quick solution to the problem but then opening up like they're, I guess, opening their eyes to other problems that you can help them solve and help them see that this isn't like a one and done thing. There's other issues you need to take care of if you really want to get after this. Um, lead scoring, because at this point you're starting to acquire a lot more, a lot more leads. And so you want to be able to branch those out and you should have a good scoring uh, system so that from, from the MQL stage, Right as we move into SQL, people are showing up in the hands of sales, and sales knows how qualified these people are, and they can very quickly like if I get two leads at the same time, which probably won't happen, but you know if they pop up together, I can give my attention to the one that either is you know going to be a higher paying client because of because we can see that based off their the criteria. Maybe they're going to close at a much faster rate. We can see that uh, win probability could be higher, and so like there's all these different variables that you can include the more you get to know about your your audience um, and then just mqls there's a lot of like back and forth uh especially on linkedin over whether you should mql should be a metric or not like i don't know that it needs to be your key metric because it isn't directly tied to revenue right just because i have 
I could hit 2x my goal for MQLs, it doesn't mean that I'm making more money. Right? Right. And so, but I still want to track those qualified leads because it's telling me how many people are coming in who meet the profile that I said um, I want. And so I think it's very important to track, but you should pay attention to how you use that number and not hold like a marketer accountable to a certain number of MQLs. Right? I don't care about that. I would rather you get half that number of MQLs, but they all all convert or turn into SQLs and become opportunities. Like, okay, then you've got super highly qualified MQLs. And there are ways you can adjust that with like, a, you can make a matrix depending on what offer they've downloaded and what persona they meet. You can actually do some math to see like, okay, well, they're a higher value lead. And this is kind of where that lead scoring comes in. And you can like move them up. So now even from the marketing side, right, you can set an SLA for the actual quality of these MQLs that are coming in. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, to, to your point about the, the marketing qualified leads, not necessarily directly, you know, leading to, to more revenue. It can definitely be an indicator, though, of your efforts and what we just talked about, right? The top of the funnel, the awareness stuff. If you're bringing in a lot of very qualified leads, then you're probably pretty on target with that top of the funnel stuff. Whereas if you're not, Maybe you need to take a step back, rewind, recalibrate. Um, so I think that's a great point that, you know, just because the metric isn't necessarily a be all end all metric, it doesn't mean that we should, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater there. Let's move right along and bottom of the funnel, bottom of the funnel's up next. So what are some of the techniques that uh, that you're using to boost those conversion rates and guide those prospects towards becoming paying customers? So... I said I'd mention it. So content, number one, right? A lot of comparisons, pricing. So yeah, content, number one. You're just changing it to you know, those pricing posts, those um, you know, comparison posts, things like that, that are for people who are looking to buy, you're giving them the information that they need at that stage. Um, at this point, especially if people have converted on something before, you can start doing retargeting right, in order to get them to talk to sales. And so having Facebook pixels, like LinkedIn pixels, you know, whatever, pixels, pixels for your pixels, set those up on your site and um, let it work. You can set up, if your budget's tight, quick trick, set up a script that puts a delay on the pixel so that it only fires after like 30 seconds. This way, if someone shows up on your site and then bounces, you're not going to retarget them. Right. But if someone shows up on your site, at least reads for a little bit, maybe clicks on another page, right? Then the pixel fires. And now you have a higher chance of actually uh, retargeting that person or converting them through retargeting because they've actually spent more time with your brand rather than it just being an accidental click. So there's a little tip. Um, your product demos, free trials, right? Things like that are some of the strategies that you want because those are the things people are actually looking for in order to, to make this happen. Um, one of the, we just purchased a new tool uh, for the team this week and we got a essentially a demo before or a live demo but that moved into a trial before we start paying next month. And so we got to see how everything's used. Now we're going to actually go play with it ourselves and then make that final decision. Are we, are we ready to buy? And like, we're already pretty well convinced we're going to because of like we've seen enough of this right and we've been playing with the tool and so like if anything it's only confirmed what we want to do but it took that sales rep being like very specific and and the demo everything being very specific to the problem that we're solving 
that's a big one from earlier. Um, referral programs are great for like bottom of the funnel stuff. Cause like if people you're looking for a certain tool, I make that recommendation. You, you trust me. That's why you were talking about it. You're more likely going to go check that out. And so if you can find ways to set up referral programs for your bottom of the funnel stuff, it's going to work very well for you. Uh, and then your sales team, just making sure your sales team is very good at, at talking to people. They can reach out like not everything has to be a cold reach out, right? If you have MQLs who are highly qualified, Sales teams, you know, SDRs, BDRs, whatever you want to call them, can go talk to uh, these people that are on the list. You have a list of people who are literally warm and ready to ready to go. Go talk to them and you know get them get them in there. And we got to bring the numbers in. I know this one. I, <laughs> some of the numbers are going to be pretty obvious, right? Like this is where the metrics, like your actual revenue, your customer acquisition costs, I'm sure, will come into play here. Um, but what are, you know, just some of the, the metrics that some of the numbers you should be looking at in the bottom of the funnel. So yeah, customer acquisition costs, uh, super valuable through each stage. I mean, a little less than top of the funnel, unless you're running paid ads and stuff. And then you, you want to be able to push them in, but at some point they have to be able to convert for you to, they're a good lead paying lead, um, or paid for lead. So here I want to look a lot more at SQLs. As well, and again, this is another metric that we're not holding everything to, right? There's no quota per se, but we we want to increase that number um, because it's going to show us where people are falling off within the pipeline now. So if people are moving, becoming leads, not MQLs, then it's like, okay, something's wrong with our criteria, which means our messaging is off somewhere else. Now, if our people are moving from MQL to SQL, it means the offer for becoming a sales qualified lead, right? What are, how we're trying to get them to talk to sales is not appealing to them. And that's why there's so many of them are falling off. And so like, it gives us that way to to start seeing where the actual problems lie within our, our marketing so we can start doing the right things. Um, if you're at your customer lifetime value, bottom of the funnel, so you know how much you can spend on a client, right? Whoever can, uh, you want profitable customer acquisition. Whoever can pay more to get that lead in and still be profitable is going to win the game. And so you want, you need to know your numbers. There's so many companies we've worked with that just don't know all of their financials around acquiring customers. And so um, you should understand that. If you can also, at this point, look at your revenue that's influenced by marketing. So first touch attribution, last touch attribution. Um, you just want to be able to see like, what's the actual return on investment for all of these different actions we're taking. Some of those are going to be hard. If you're running a podcast, right? it's really hard to tell how many people are actually coming in unless you ask them the question. If they can self-identify as a podcast listener and that's what brought them in, awesome, you're in business. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think that's it. There's a bunch around the sales process too, like your sales cycle, right? Your close rates, like you want to track all of those metrics. Um, and I think we did an episode on sales velocity and I would recommend people yeah, go- have a full episode that. on that. Perfect. That that would be something else to look at here. So I'd go look at that. Perfect. Well, we all know, uh, or at least we all should know, <laughs> that the funnel doesn't stop at, at the time of purchase. Um, so I think that building those post-purchase relationships, though, is, is often one of the most neglected parts uh, of our sales funnel. So yeah. Uh, what practices can businesses adopt that will help them to foster loyalty and not only win those customers, but turn them into long-term customers and 
best case scenario, uh, advocates, right? People that will talk about your brand, evangelize it to other potential customers. So there's an idea called the double funnel, a bow tie funnel, right? Whatever you want to call it, but it's the idea that one, your marketing funnel, right? Go, going into your sales funnel is going to keep collapsing on itself. Like it just keeps, or it's a decrescendo, right? But then it's going to crescendo back up once they become a customer as the amount that they're spending with you actually increases. And so the buyer's journey is the marketing and the sales and then, you know, until you close a sale and then they enter the customer journey. And you want to be actually looking at this like bow tie funnel and monitoring everything across because if you just, someone becomes a customer and you just leave them there and you're not continuing to nurture them, continuing to to sell them the things that they need to be successful, you are leaving money on the table, right? And so certain things you can you can do are uh, VIP access for whatever programs you have, uh, like any rewards program like that, that keep them incentivized to remain a client, right? You want to make yourself, like your product, your service as sticky as possible. You don't want to make yourself sticky. But the... Uh, customer satisfaction surveys, right? Send an, an NPS survey. If ask, hey, from one to 10, how do you rate our, our performance? If they give a nine or 10, ask for a review, ask, start sending them stuff, like be very happy. If it's anything eight or under, you say, okay, we really want to get you to a nine or 10. What do we need to do in order to help you? And for a lot of people, that's enough to show that you care, that they're going to move it up because you're trying to help them actually achieve whatever their end result. Uh, if you have a community, right, for your customers, clients, uh, get them into that community because anytime you can be surrounded and like networking with other people who have a similar interest, similar goals, uh, you're going to be more likely to to stick around and move towards that. Um, any upsells, cross sells, anything like that, right? You want to be working your value ladder, kind of moving people up to what is the next logical purchase for this individual, and you got to set them up to be able to to do that to do the next one and the next one. Um, and then that's a referral program. Like we we talked that a bit for the, like if you're looking uh, bottom of the funnel, but even once people are customers, if they're happy, like get referrals from them, right? Hey, do you know three people who could benefit from this service too? And then if they sign up, send something, send a gift to that company that referred them if you don't actually have like a clear referral program. Uh, I did for two companies now, I've just, they asked me, hey, would you mind helping this person wants to talk to a customer? Uh, would you mind talking to them and just being honest, giving them your feedback of the tool? And I was happy with the tool. They chose right. You know, like they didn't choose someone who's a disgruntled customer. And and so I helped talk these people through and I was very honest about everything. I told my struggles, whatever. These cut people ended up, or one ended up buying, the other one did not. But from both, they sent me a handwritten card Right, they just say, "Hey, thanks. We appreciate you jumping on." And I got a Tumblr from one of them that, like, I use pretty frequently because coffee, right? But the, uh, but it was just the gesture, even just that I, I was, I did something, and they sent me a handwritten card, which is like crazy how it that can have such an impact. Um, but it's like it makes me want to refer more and keep working with these people because I'm feeling more connected because of that. Um, it's the human yeah, touch. I think that's why the handwritten card works, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, yeah. uh, you can't automate a handwritten card. Uh, yeah. Right. I think that's all really great advice. So you called it earlier, though. I am going to have us talk about AI. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just feel that the, these, you know, 
tools and applications and the different ways that we can use them is becoming so foundational um, in a lot of the ways that things are changing these days in our industry in particular, uh, but across industries. So let's bring in the chat about AI. Are there any ways companies can use AI to optimize or improve their sales funnels? I know we've talked a little bit about using AI for chatbots, which I think is uh, a fantastic um, a fantastic option, a fantastic opportunity for people. But what else uh, do you see being an, an opportunity? So there's a lot, and you're really only limited by your imagination. I was on a call yesterday with a fellow marketer, and... He has made, like using the AI playground within ChatGPT, has created multiple documents, including like uh, a copywriting document, right? Teaching someone how to copyright, really teaching AI how to copyright. Uh, he has a persona doc for each of their, their company's personas. He has another one for how to create a great UVP. He has another one, like he, he just has all of these documents. So now he can go into ChatGPT, Right. Tell it, hey, I want you to review these documents and then answer these questions for me. And so, you know, you put it in and it spits it out because like he's done so such thorough work on teaching the AI what he's looking for. But because even having just that persona doc, he can say, hey, would this messaging actually resonate? Like and you can grade it, you know, give it a letter grade and uh, and ask for how could I tweak it in order to make this happen. And it all comes down to how strong you're making, you know, that persona doc and and all this other stuff. But if you put in the work, now it's like he can hand that to his marketing team because he spent so much time working on it. He can give it to the team and they can just run with it. They don't have to think about making it. They just have to type the prompts and and ask the questions. And so super valuable, especially for just like looking at a website, right? Hey, is this headline actually going to attract the people that we're trying to attract? And it can give you that immediate feedback that says, you know, probably not. <laughs> or, you know, I give it a B minus. And so so you can get some feedback on this. Um, as far as some of the other stages, so like you can use AI for like predictive lead scoring, right? So you can tell it, hey, based on everything I know about like our current customers and all the criteria that they meet, if you see anything like this, let me know how you would rate a, you know, a lead coming into the website. And now AI is doing all the work for you and it's saying, hey, here's high value lead right here, you know, because they meet all of this criteria and we see these other things that maybe you didn't even see. And you can make that, make that happen very quickly. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's tons of others. It's AI. It's, we're going to keep seeing right. more over the next couple of years. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a it's a great point that you started with, right? Where it's like the opportunities that exist really uh, only end when your imagination does. Um, so AI is, of course, uh, one of the new, I don't even know if I'd call it a trend at this point. Um, I think it's going to be a, a new staple, but uh, a new innovation for sure. Um, but what other trends, innovations do you foresee coming down the pipeline? And, you know, just to kind of close us out uh you know how can businesses prepare for these changes and stay ahead of the curve so that's a good question i think a lot of things that we used to do are going to be coming back uh, because people need a way to set themselves apart from all of the noise and so you can't just keep doing what everyone's doing now you have to do other things and i think some of the older stuff is actually what's going to work. So doing 
uh, events, like we mentioned earlier, right? Events are going to be coming back. Live events. Actually, I'm working with a company that we're going to be having a lot of live events over the next year because we just see more companies are willing to sponsor and and promote these events in order to get people there live in person because I think everybody's craving that human connection a lot more now. Um, account-based marketing has never gone away, but I think it's going to be making a much larger push, especially with all of the like the AI tools and things like that that people can be using. I think ABM is going to be making a huge comeback. Uh, and the one that I am most bullish about, I guess, would be uh, partner marketing and just the, the whole nearbound approach. Uh, there is There are so many companies out there right in the world. And if you are like a lot of business owners, you are viewing business as a uh, like a zero sum game, but we want to turn it into a positive sum game. Right. And so, yeah, there's, you're going to always be in competition with some people, but even with your competitors, if you can find ways to partner with them so that you both win, why would you not do that? And so, yeah, lots of just partner marketing, doing co-marketing, um, Databox is a really good company for seeing how to do this. Most of their marketing is co-marketing, right? They will run, they'll talk to a company who works with agency owners and they will um, do a survey that that whoever's, you know, has the clients of agency owners, um, they're creating a survey and they're doing it through Databox. And then Databox is also creating content with them around the results of that survey. And everybody's posting about it. Now it's getting all of those agencies who just filled out the survey want to see the results and see how they compare to everybody else, right? These are their benchmark reports. And so they're using that uh, for more marketing. Like they're both kind of growing their uh, their awareness through partner marketing. Uh, there's just tons of other opportunities. Like you can just write blog posts together, right? You can create video content. You can be on podcasts. You can, there's so much that you can be doing to partner with other brands and find ways to have this win-win that uh, it's, it's necessary. It is going to, it is going to be what drives the best companies forward in the future. Perfect. What a great note to leave it on. I think uh, that kind of wraps us up here. So thank you so much for chatting with me, Chris, about how to build the right systems and, uh, you know, track the right metrics and optimize your sales funnel. I think our audience is going to leave this episode armed with all kinds of new tools and tricks that they can use to turn their leads into loyal paying customers. So thank you everybody out there for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss one of our episodes. And if you have a few minutes, uh, take the opportunity to give us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast application. Until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year.